My name is Heather Ford. I am an associate professor. I study the social and ethical implications of technology at the School of Communications at UCS. When I first started studying Wikipedia, I encountered this article that editors had tried and failed to add to English Wikipedia about a superhero character in Kenya called McMende, named after Clint Eastwood's character, you know, when he says, Go ahead, make my day. That became McMende. <laughs> and in the mid-2000s, there was a band called Just a Band in Nairobi, and they made a music video starring McMende. And so this became known as Kenya's first internet meme, and Kenyans tried to start a Wikipedia article in English Wikipedia, not Swahili Wikipedia, about McMende, and they were repeatedly deleted. 1830, the 23rd of March 2010, Joe Jan deleted McMende. Criteria for speedy deletion. G1, had it nonsense, meaningless, or incomprehensible. 2253, Malik Shabazz deleted McMende. Criteria for speedy deletion. G12, unambiguous copyright infringement. 0 hundred hours 37 minutes. The 24th of March 2010, Flyguy 649 deleted McMende. Criteria for speedy deletion. G3, pure vandalism. Kenyans didn't want to write the article in Swahili Wikipedia because it was about them entering this kind of global conversation and they wanted to be seen and recognized by the rest of the world. And so, yeah, the article became really emblematic of this kind of struggle by people living outside of North America and Western Europe to be able to be seen on English Wikipedia. 1456, Mokni. Introduction of this superhero character. This is not vandalism. If it was another country, the local media might immediately write an article about this phenomenon. But in Kenya and other sub-Saharan countries, you're also dealing with media and journalism outlets that aren't as well-staffed, aren't as well-resourced, don't necessarily or didn't at the time recognize the importance or interest in internet issues. So there's a lot of barriers to entry for people in those countries trying to add articles in English Wikipedia. 2356, Wuji. The unnotable lyric from a song. It's hard to tell just what it is. No reliable sources and no claims of notability. 323, the 25th of March 2010, Simon Columbus. There's an article by the Wall Street Journal about McMende, so the argument no reliable sources is invalid. In that case, it, it was probably experienced editors on English Wikipedia who tend to come from Western Europe, North America. Yeah, the more experienced English Wikipedians. 931, Pierce. This is a topic of significance because it has acted as the first Kenyan viral video. The video is notable independent of its song and so it should merit a separate article. 1133, Sisson. This character is the first online viral success seen in Kenya and most of Africa at large. He is based on a phrase used in the 90s by children to denote someone who was a bully, knowledgeable, and who regularly tried to impress his peers with the latest Chuck Norris kung fu styles. More references will be added to support him.
the problem is that there is hardly any content on African influences in the 90s and 80s which may make it hard to make the connections. Eventually, the article was allowed to stick. 1322, the 29th of March 2010, Prime Coordinator. Agreed that article could use a bit of expansion, but beyond being just a cultural reference, it marks a historical point in time for Internet in Kenya as well as Africa in general. Deletion of this article would require deletion of countless other articles on Wikipedia. Just because admins are unfamiliar with the cultural context is not justification for removal. But many articles don't stick. They're deleted, merged, minimized, or doomed to obscurity by some other means. Rivers of information disappear daily on the world's largest encyclopedia. And as a result, perhaps more isn't even created in the first place. Africa is significantly underrepresented on Wikipedia. Only about 1% of the edits originate from the continent, despite it hosting nearly 17% of the global population. And of course, the bias doesn't end there. There are significant biases in wealth, religion, geography, age, education, and gender. Okay, I hear you say, but isn't the whole internet biased? Why am I only pointing out bias on Wikipedia? Well, for one, the bias on Wikipedia is exponentially worse than elsewhere. Facebook and Twitter, for example, have more or less equal numbers of men and women. But on Wikipedia, for every female editor, there are around eight males. For every biography of a woman, there are four biographies of men. As Heather writes in her book, when physicist Donna Strickland won the Nobel Prize in 2018, it was revealed that she'd been previously denied a Wikipedia page because editors believed she hadn't been notable enough. If Kenyan editors dominated Wikipedia, the McMenday debate would have been over before it began. But Wikipedia is overwhelmingly dominated by white Western men, and the bias? It's built into the code. That code is digging its way deeper into the global social fabric. Wikipedia is the seventh most visited website on the internet, and it's now being used to program neural networks and artificial intelligence. Wikipedians themselves would laugh at the fact that people find Wikipedia authoritative. They themselves would laugh at that because they say, you know, we're open, you can see the flaws in the system, etc. But it's almost through the open process that people who don't know about it have assumed its authority because you feel like, it's so open and it's so subject to multiple different viewpoints. Obviously, it's going to be neutral. Obviously, it's going to be consensus truth that's arising out of the system. That's what makes it so interesting and ironic, right? Like you would think that that would be the result, that people would distrust it. And indeed, that was what was in the beginning. But the more people used it and integrated into their daily lives and the more dominant it became, it's become more authoritative. You write that Wikipedia is at the front line of data wars being fought using novel weapons and tactics. What are the weapons and tactics? This is all to do with being able to maneuver Wikipedia tools to your advantage. So being able to make a page move, which is basically renaming the article in a way that people wouldn't notice necessarily. Being able to open up a debate or discussion and close a discussion 
by determining that consensus had been reached, even if it hadn't really. Being able to use the tools, Wikipedia tools, to their maximum advantage. Also being able to try and ban people who share different views from you by knowing what the process is to take them to the administrator's notice board, knowing how to canvas support, because you're not actually supposed to do that, but everyone does it really to some extent. Being able to use templates to your advantage so that you might go under the radar, but it's also about being able to argue. So it's called wiki lawyering when you're really good at kind of using the rules to your advantage. So when something like that gets shut down, how does it happen? Who does that? Well, any Wikipedia editor can flag an article for deletion. And what usually happens is all the new articles get put on this dynamic list that people who are watching new pages are watching to see if there's any vandalism or whether the articles are of the quality that Wikipedia editors deem high enough to be able to be added uh, to the encyclopedia within their rules. So they're watching those those new articles very closely and more closely in recent years, which makes it harder and harder for entrants to add articles, especially when it's things that have local notability, right, or local importance like that case. That leads me to think of something you mentioned in your book, which you called the mirror theory, which is basically that a lot of Wikipedians and higher ups at Wikipedia say or have said in the past, well, this kind of bias occurs because it's reflecting the bias of our environment, right? That's how the media is. Therefore, that's how Wikipedia is. Wikipedia is just a reflection of its environment. What's the problem with that? Yeah, so this is fascinating. Wikipedians usually acknowledge that they have a biased encyclopedia, which reflects subjects from North America more readily than developing countries, for example, men more than women. But what they say is, it's not our fault, you know, publishing sources in the world are subject to these biases and we're just reflecting, as a mirror would, what we can. Uh, It's not that we have something against women, for example, it's just that they aren't written about a lot. But I think that's really problematic because what it does is it says Wikipedia is neutral, you know. Uh, All we do is neutrally reflect, as a mirror would, what happens outside of the platform. But we know, you know, spending time on the platform, researching the platform, that the ways in which Wikipedia practice works, the ways in which Wikipedia rules have been built, will necessarily emphasize or prioritize certain voices, certain identities, certain perspectives more than others. And so you don't actually see this reflection, you see a refraction, which means that some biases are actually exacerbated on Wikipedia. And then there's stuff that Wikipedia does really well that you won't see on older encyclopedias. For example, Wikipedia is really good at reflecting up-to-date information about the world in a way that older encyclopedias were never very good at. And in a way, Wikipedia is actually really good at 
reflecting topics from all around the world because it is probably the most global encyclopedia in the sense that there are volunteers almost everywhere in the world. When you see how historical topics, for example, are reflected from developing countries, you really see this kind of exacerbating effect where if it was something that happened very recently, like a pandemic or a flood or a fire in a small part of North America, it would be covered in absolute detail, whereas something similar happening in Kenya or Uganda would definitely not have that level of detail. Or historical topics, for example, there's a academic in Southeast Asia who looks at how Southeast Asian countries' history has been written on Wikipedia, and often it's from the perspective of the colonists and these kind of old histories. So it's complicated, but it's never, ever just a, a merit. It's never a reflection of what's happening outside of Wikipedia. And in the past, you know, you had, wasn't ideal either. You had historians wading through this many years, maybe later, and then consensus being derived from a bunch of white male historians, maybe. So some of these biases are intuitive. Of course, the English language version has geographic and language bias, cultural bias, all of these sorts of things, a lot of which you would expect. There's also um, a wealth bias, a technical bias, those sorts of things that to at least a degree are, are intuitive. The gender bias is something that really struck me, which was that 80-something, 80 86%, something around that, of editors were male. And I was just wondering how you understand something like that. What reason is there for that? Do you know? And that's a conservative estimate. The other estimates are like 90%. It is a shocking statistic. I don't think there's anywhere on the internet, actually. Maybe there are. Maybe video games or something. I yeah, don't know. Like, or pornography. Or <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like, it's the seventh most popular website in the world. There's two questions. Why is it that Wikipedia has such a massive disparity between men and women editors and then why is it still the case is another question. I've always had a passion for studying Wikipedians because they are so fascinating and passionate people but I I have never been a passionate editor of Wikipedia because it really does take a particular kind of tenacity and attention to detail it takes a kind of arrogance in a way as well because, you know, most of the women that I meet, you know, they're like, oh, well, do I really know enough to be able to edit this thing? Whereas, you know, the very experienced editors, you know, they have all the confidence in the world that they know enough to be able to edit these topics that typically or traditionally only experts on that topic would have edited. There's a lot more concrete evidence about why men are still such a high proportion. Women face much more challenges in editing than men do. Women will be reverted more often. Women will be harassed more often. Women, when they are trying to add other women to the encyclopedia, will have their articles taken down, put up for deletion, challenged, etc., much more than men. Why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> 
it's so much harder. It makes it so much harder. It's just a lot harder for women and people of color even more so to edit Wikipedia. I wonder if it was set up like a lot of things on the internet, largely by men and with a male consciousness, maybe something that was more antagonistic. And if it had been established by women or majority women, if it might have been established differently, if the way you treat other people and the mechanisms for a conflict resolution could have been different and that sort of stuff, and maybe fostered a more inclusive environment. What do you think about that? It was indeed founded by almost all men. And so the structures that are built around the encyclopedia that dictate everyday practice, that dictate relationships, how you relate to to one another, if it's all built from a particular way of seeing the world, particular perspective, whether that's, you know, around race or gender or geographic locality or nationality and the kind of culture that those people came from because, you know, it was a particular kind of culture in the U.S. coming out of the utopian internet movement where they were going to build this new place where geography didn't matter and identity and race and uh, gender and these things didn't matter but actually were really, really part of the thing they were building and they built it into the structure. So the process is supposed to be deliberative, yeah. There's a a set of guidelines, I guess, they're supposed to follow. But from what I've seen, people kind of log in and someone throws in a few words that obviously reflect their view and then someone else comes and changes them to some words that they reflect their view and then then they'll go back and forth or different people go back and forth and... And then eventually it seems to sort of more or less settle somewhere vaguely in the middle, but that probably reflects the mainstream roughly view, like, well, this is a truce or something, you know, we've, we've gained enough ground here. Is that how you see it working? Yeah. No, that's pretty accurate. What actually happens is that a lot of the time, not all the time, but a lot of the time is that it's about the people who lose steam the people who just disappear losing the fight, you know, when they don't have any energy left to fight, then they they stop. And that's not really consensus. And sometimes it just kind of works, you know. Sometimes it just kind of works. Microphone check one, one, two. Thank you, Heather Ford, for coming on the program. Heather's book is called Writing the Revolution, Wikipedia and the Survival of Facts in the Digital Age. You've been listening to Think Digital Futures, heard around Australia on the Community Radio Network and supported by 2SER Radio and the University of Technology, Sydney. This program is made in Sydney on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. You can listen to Think Digital Futures wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Lawrence Bull. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 